Hello and welcome back to the Bolf podcast and welcome to a slightly shorter episode that we're sure you'll enjoy based purely on the Champions League. I'm here as ever with my good friend and colleague Mr BBK. How are you doing sir? I'm very well thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. It's been a pretty good week for football. Do you want to jump us into it then? I say we dive straight into it. Let's go straight into it with the Champions League. Um, I think one of the big results of the Champions League week has to be Porto knocking out Juventus. We'll start kind of the big thing, which is obviously Cristiano Ronaldo. Could you say maybe, because it's, you know, it's one of the first times he's not been in the Champions League, is he maybe starting to almost become human now? Is he, is he kind of slipping up a little bit maybe? Um, you could say that. I think, you know, his standards have been so high over the last sort of 15, 10 years. Um, he, looked, he, he looked like he was always the man to drag teams through. You know, you think of Real Madrid, he sort of gets hat-trick against Madrid a couple of times. Juventus, I think he scored against them when he was at Real Madrid, just to get him through. And then, you know, the team turned up at the final. But I think with Juventus, they've been relying on him too much. And he's, I think he's getting on. You know, he's 36. He's, you know, he's, I think we can see right now that he's a human. And I think like, likewise, it's a bit similar with Messi, but we'll get onto that a bit later. Um, I just think, you know, he's been an incredible player over the last 10, 15 years, one of the best in the world, one of the best ever. Um, but I think just unfortunately, uh, yeah, like you say, he's becoming human. He's becoming, you know, a sort of a player that most people are. Yeah, I know. I know. I was the one who made the point about him being human, but I've just had a look at his goal tally for the season. So he's played twenty three games. He scored twenty three goals. He scores every eighty four minutes. So he's on a goal a game. I think. I think weirdly, what's starting to happen is he's becoming a normal footballer, almost. So it's not like he's getting worse and he's now not a good player. He's gone from basically like a god to now just a, a very good footballer and then I think he'll, he'll kind of stay at that level for a few years and then drop down so it does beg the question whether Juve have put a lot on what is basically a 36 year old person who five years ago even would have been still the best player in the world yeah I think um, you can look at Ronaldo and Messi's sort of stats over the last couple of years again their stats are outrageous and you know above 60 50 goals a season, and I think now they're sort of you know getting a goal a game, not as much as they used to, but they're still sort of outrageous statistics. Um, they're sort of you know looking like normal players. You know Lewandowski is sort of you know up there with them. I think that's just natural over time. You know they've been too good over a number of years, and obviously there was always going to be a sort of a decline of both of them. Um, especially, I think you can see it more in Ronaldo at the moment. Um, he's obviously two years older, so Messi's still got a bit more time. Um, but no, I think with Ronaldo, uh, Juventus were obviously hoping that he could be the guy to take him to a Champions League. But I think a lot of the games where they've played, I think Ronaldo has tried to take it on too much and not being a team player. Because um, I think there was a few games where Juventus didn't have Ronaldo. And I think they did quite well in comparison to games where Ronaldo had played. Um, unfortunately, I think it's a matter of time. Uh, I think Ronaldo might be leaving there this season. Who knows where he'll go? He might end up, might end up his season, uh, might end his career in the MLS. Um, but yeah, I think I think first of all we have to give credit to Porto. I think you know that's not it's not all about the Ronaldo. You know I think Porto they were a team. They you know they fought hard to get through, especially going down to ten men. You know they dug deep. Um, so I think credit to them. Yeah, and I think ultimately because. 
Uh, forget the result. Was it? What was the score in the first leg? First leg, Porto won. I want to say two one. Yes, Porto. Yeah, so winning the first leg two one is obviously a big thing. But Juventus have that away goal, so you can even even though it's not, even though they're not lost, you'd probably argue that probably even a one nil win or a, a two or even a nil nil draw would probably have been better for them than Juventus getting that away goal. So it is. It's definitely. It's required a lot from them, and I think you could see. I saw at the end of game kind of scenes where obviously all the players were running around, uh, just quite how much it means to them. I think when you're a team that's put that much into a, a result, regardless of who you're playing against, it's like the, you know the players always say there's always a chance in football, and I think uh, Porto were, were a classic example uh, the other night. I just wonder, obviously. They've done it before, Porto, in obviously extraordinary fashion in 2004 with Jose Mourinho. How far is that Porto team away from doing the same thing again? Well, obviously, the Champions League draw was made today and they uh, had got Chelsea in the next round. I just think with, you know, obviously how Chelsea are playing at the moment, I think Porto um, will be a, it'll be a tough test, tough, tough test for them against Chelsea. Obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't write them off. They did just beat Juventus. They had, I think, some tough games in their groups. So they've all, you know, they've obviously got a chance. Yeah, and ultimately, if you've knocked out Juventus, you have knocked out one of the big clubs in the Champions League. You obviously, think of Juventus, Real Madrid, Liverpool. You know, all these big teams from various different countries, Bayern Munich, just to, to name a few. And if you're, especially if you're a team like that, Porto, you can kind of. I think a lot of it will be based on that kind of plucky underdog mentality that they've got, and obviously the the way the manager set them up against Juventus, uh, kind of even regardless of the result on the night, because obviously they did lose on the night, but ultimately that didn't matter. Was was obviously quite good, you know. They play, you know, what is a fairly simple looking formation, uh, and obviously they've got a, an excellent defender in Pepe as their captain. A player which you probably could have said, you know, at 38 years old, he probably should have, shot, should have stopped playing football about six years ago. I mean, he's... Has he reinvented himself, do you think? Well, I think in that game you could see that he just used his welfare experience. He knew where to be, he was in the right place at the right time, he was clearing what needed to be cleared. Um, and I think he just... You know when you have like one solid, good experienced defender, it just... It gives you a boost of confidence in the whole defence. The whole defence can feel like they can, can play better with him in the team. And that obviously held with um, against Juventus and they obviously just have a good team spirit within that team. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just, just looking at his stats here. He's, he's played 17 matches this season, started 16 at the age of 38. On average, he's getting 80 minutes a game. And in, in 17 games, he's got seven clean sheets. So he's clearly somehow still kept that ability, you know, late into his 30s, almost into his 40s. Maybe it's just that thing with Real Madrid, because I'm noticing that they have a lot of a lot of players that seem to grow old there. You look at, like, Tony Kroos, Luka Modric, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think just to kind of sum up the Juve Porto, uh, just, just one question that I have about it is, obviously, they've got Andrea Perlo as the manager, could that be something that maybe comes into question? Because obviously Serie A is a very different ball game to the Champions League. So whether or not he wins Serie A is kind of here nor there. It doesn't really matter. 
in terms of his job. Whereas I think the whole signing of bringing Ronaldo in was to win the Champions League. Now they've not done that. Who does that fall on? Is it Ronaldo or is it uh, Pirlo? It's a tricky one. I think I think you can't single-handedly blame Ronaldo for not letting or not having won the Champions League with Juventus. I think, yes, he's that good of a player and yes, he could have single-handedly won Juventus to the Champions League. But I think you have to look at Pirlo as the manager and I think he obviously then brought in Ronaldo. Well, he didn't personally bring in Ronaldo. I think Juventus as a club brought in Ronaldo to win the Champions League. But I think Pirlo is just... Sort of a bit like to Lampard, a bit like, you know, some of these managers that are just given jobs because they used to play for him. I think he's out of his depth. I think, obviously, there's a lot of managers, I think, in most in the top, some of the top clubs that are just given jobs to because they used to play for him. Some have worked out, some clearly haven't. Yeah, it seems it seems like a thing to get the fans on board because I think a lot of it is fan. A lot of decisions a club make is, you know, a, a fan-based. So how can we get the best reaction from the fans? I think it was the same thing with Lampard. Is how can we? Because if you get the fans on side, the ticket sales go up, the shirt sales go up. You know, money comes into the club, and ultimately, that's all these these owners really care about. And I do think it's like you said, he's, he used to play for him, so he'll be you know, Messi will be manager of Barcelona one day. You can almost guarantee it. But I suppose speaking of a player being becoming a manager, uh, well. In, in, a, in an indirect sense. We've obviously got Frank Lampard was the, the manager of Chelsea and Chelsea are the team that we'll move on to next. They obviously got their 3-0 aggregate victory over Atletico, moving them into the last eight of the Champions League. It's a huge result for Chelsea, first of all. And I just think the way Thomas Tuchel has reinvented that side, because it's not like they were... Um, when Lampard was there, they weren't particularly good. They weren't firing at all, really. They weren't scoring goals. And all of a sudden, he's turned them around. They don't concede anymore. They score. They get the 1-0s, the 2-0s. How important has that... that First of all, the manager swap, and, te- and second of all, this kind of Champions League run been for that Chelsea team? I think... Um, I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. I think what bringing in Thomas Tuchel is one of the best things Chelsea have done... In, in sort of current years I think you have to look at this Chelsea team in comparison to the Chelsea team that Frank Lampard have and it's just completely different they're not conceding any goals I think they've only conceded sort of two goals in their last like 10 games which is an incredible record um, I mean you have to also look that Atletico Madrid are at the top of the La Liga and Chelsea are sort of I think fourth in the Premier League what does that, that what does that say about the goal for, at the moment within the Premier League and La Liga. Um, I think, obviously, you look at the Barcelona and Real Madrid, they're not as good as they were a couple of years ago. Atletico Madrid, maybe not as good anymore. Uh, but no, I think, honestly, Chelsea, it's a, their season's completely changed, and I think they've got a really good chance in the Champions League now with a tie against Porto. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, it, it's kind of, kind of like you said, it was the team is completely different in the way they're playing. But the team is exactly the same in terms of the actual individual, so it does just go to show what difference a manager. Now we don't, we have to say, we have to caveat this: we don't know if it's a new manager bounce yet, as in we don't know if in like two or three years, or even six months, Thomas Tuchel's teams it might crumble, it might get better. I think to be honest, Chelsea are probably going to be up there in the Premier League next season. Um, 
to be honest, they might they've got as good a chance as any of you know getting to a, a semi final of a Champions League. But I wanna I wanna focus a little bit more on Atletico Madrid, to be honest, because they they never look like they never look threatening, they never particularly looked dangerous. They've got arguably one of history's best ever football players in, in Luis Suarez playing. You know, you've got Yano Black in goal, one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now. Xiao Felix, who's one of the most promising looking strikers in the game right now. And they just didn't didn't look like A keeping a clean sheet and B scoring any goals. It's very, very underwhelming. In terms of the first thing I mentioned, Luis Suarez, we talk about Ronaldo and Messi's decline. I think we're looking at almost like a vision of the future of what's going to happen in Luis Suarez. I know obviously he's playing well in the league, but the the Champions League performances just haven't quite quite been there at the minute. No, um, obviously you know Barcelona got felt that they didn't need Suarez this summer or uh, this season, um, but obviously in the league he's been quite he's been very good for them in fact actually he's helped them to the towards the top of the La Liga. Um, I think in the Champions League, they have struggled. I think it's just the way they set up. I think um, it's sort of similar to how sort of Tottenham play, I think. You know, especially, I think, when you are a team like Atletico and you sit back, I think when you come up against a side like Chelsea that are arguably even better at doing that than you are, it's just, I couldn't see an Atletico win. Um, you know, just two teams that are, you know, try to be defensively solid, you know, and hit on the break or hit on the counter-attack. Um, but no, um, you know, I think a lot of credit has to go to Chelsea. Um, Werner and Havertz are slowly sort of becoming the players that we thought they were. Yeah, I think I think just with the uh, just with the the Havertz and Werner thing, because we were, or certainly I was very quick uh, initially. I don't know whether I said it on the podcast or not. I was very quick to uh, to count those two players out. Um, I f- it does feel like they are going to potentially, you know. We talk about the the great front threes. You've obviously got Spurs as front three right now. Um, you know that kind of Messi, Neymar, Suarez. I'm not saying they're going to quite be that, but you look at this kind of Ziyech, Havertz, Werner, potentially Mount in there as well. It does look like a, you know, a front three that is going to cause a lot of teams problems, and especially because obviously the way they they are playing now with the five at the back or the kind of five at the back, but when they go forward. Reese James or Callum Hudson Odoi, whoever's playing right wing back, will kind of bomb on, and then Aspilicueta will be that right back, kind of sit in. Potentially, what they've got there is a team that can score a lot of goals and crucially don't really concede a lot. So I'm wondering, because all these players are quite young, how how high is that ceiling for those Chelsea players? I think they've got a lot of potential. Like you said, you know, a lot of them are very young, good players. Um, I think they're saying that Havertz could potentially be one of the best players that will play for Germany in the next sort of over over ten years' time. He's he has the potential to be that good. Um, and like you say, you got Mason Mount, Timo Werner's quite young. There's uh, Reese James, Callum Hudson Odoi. I think you know. I think under a manager like Tuchel that can improve them, you know, sort of tactically and physically, mentally, all that malarkey. I think Chelsea have got a really good chance over the next sort of you know couple of years to always be fighting for the Premier League title and always be fighting for the Champions League title. Hmm. 
And obviously, we'll just kind of go back to this game quickly just to finish it off. Uh, do you want to talk about the red card for a bit? Because that was quite an interesting one. I thought that was quite funny. So, if you haven't seen it already, um, corner to Atletico, nothing really particularly dangerous about the situation for either team. It's just a, just, just a corner. Yeah, Savic and Rudiger are obviously just jostling in the box. Like normal. Normal people do it. And Savic decides to drop an elbow in to Tony Rudiger's chest. Now, I'm pretty sure Tony Rudiger's probably like six foot four. You know, he's he's pretty he's a pretty built guy. I don't think it should have been enough force to send him down. And that's why I respect it so much. I love the shithousery of it. Uh, I think it was excellent. And ultimately I think it's the most stupid thing I've ever seen a player do. And especially under a manager um like Simeone, you've got a feeling that as soon as he got into the dressing room, I guarantee he was just absolutely ripped to shreds because it was a needless foul. And they may, it was, you know, at that point it was only 2 0. So if, you know, if Atleti score, then they get an away goal. So you, you, you never know. If they score another, all of a sudden they've got two, two away goals and Chelsea have got one. Would that be right? Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden all they needed was two goals out of that game, regardless of whether it's 2 all or 2 1. They just needed two goals. Or even one goal at that point would have taken them to extra time, and he's doing stupid stuff like that, where he's he's you know dropping elbows. When if you keep ten men on the pitch or eleven men on the pitch, potentially you've got a chance to go and do something. Um, and I just think whether that's just the kind of player that Savage is, or whether it's kind of a deeper rooted thing that you know obviously Simeone is a very intense guy. I don't know, but yeah, just thought it was sort of quite funny to be fair. I think uh, I think in a, a last sixteen Champions League game, it's just you know it's not what you want your players to be doing. If Rudiger if Rudiger jumps early, the elbow could completely miss, and in that case, it's pointless. So he's not actually going to gain anything at all. Now, I've heard, uh, I heard on the BT Sport that I think I can't remember who it was, but someone said it wasn't maybe not a red card. Which you could argue in terms of the amount of contact he made, it maybe not a red card, but at the end of the day. I could flick you and I wouldn't be going for the ball and it's violent Gondor, so it's still a red card regardless of what you do. If it's off the ball and it's something as stupid as elbowing someone. But I think I remember years ago Drogba slapped someone or something or someone slapped Drogba and it looked like nothing and the guy got sent off. It's just You're just not allowed to do it. You're a professional footballer, stop being stupid. Um, I just want to make a special mention to Kante. Um, after that Chelsea game, I think he was absolutely incredible. Um, I think it was sort of prime Kante, you know, the Kante from the Leicester season and the Chelsea title winning season as well. Did you also see, you talk about obviously the amount of work Kante puts in in 90 minutes. Did you see the run he made in the 94th minute? Yes, it was at the 94th minute and it, it led to the goal, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, ultimately, again, for those who haven't seen it, Kante makes a bit of a... So he's been, obviously, he's the engine room in the midfield. He's been running for 94 minutes. Chelsea break away from a corner and a counter-attack. Um, basically, Kante carries on his run, regardless of whether or not he's going to get the ball, runs the length of the pitch at the same speed of some of the fastest players in the Premier League um, and makes the decoy run, which ultimately leads to the goal. So I think it, it just shows, for me, he's, as a midfielder, he's what you should be. He's kind of Roy Keane without the, the harshness, if you know what I mean. He'll just do everything for the team. He's very unselfish, a very humble player. And ultimately, that's why he's the greatest player in the world. And the fact that Chelsea have him, to be honest, is a bit mental. 
when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. All right, moving on to sort of the potential teams in the next round for Chelsea and Porto, one of them being Liverpool after they beat Leipzig 4-0. Yeah, and obviously we'll, we'll go into who they've got in the next round later, but I think it was good. I, th- I, I quite enjoy seeing Liverpool win now, you know, because they're so bad in the Premier League. It does make me think, like, oh, they are still, they can still play football. That's nice. How important is it for a team who are ex-champions and are struggling in a Premier League? How important is it to have a good Champions League run? I think it's really important. I think they're sort of, like we said last week, I think Champions League is sort of a game when it comes, you know, it's, it, ma- it matters the, on that night. Whereas, you know, the Premier League sort of over a season. Um, I think that's why Liverpool had the potential to go all the way I think you know on their day they could arguably well you know they could be the best team in the tournament I'd argue they probably are even even as a slightly weakened side especially with the manager um obviously now I think now they've got that defense semi sort it doesn't even have to be sorted out to the extent that it's like really really good it just has to be sorted out where it, it may leak a goal or two but a goal or two is fine as as long as it's not like as long as they're keeping the numbers down, which you know Kabak and Phillips or Kabak and you know Fabinho drops back there or whoever it is, it's 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 now Kabak and someone because I think he's kind of earned his place into that team. Now that that's kind of a bit more solid, you do you do look at Liverpool and you know they do seem to be more comfortable going forward. And I think the main thing that it is a huge thing they've got back. There's two players that ultimately could potentially stop them plummeting more is having Jota. And having Fabinho back, first of all, obviously Fabinho, you could argue, is he the best player in in that position, that number six position in the world? I think he's he's up there, and you know, you look at the sort of Kante, Fabinho, Kimmich. I don't think there's many better than them. Maybe um, Fernandinho the, as well. Just to... obviously we're getting a bit on, but he's still a very good player. Mm. I think the important thing is, is obviously he played a lot of games in defence, and that's obviously not a strong position. He can do a role there. But he's not as effective as he is as he is in centre mid, and I think having sort of Kabak and Nat Phillips, I think they're just sort of getting a bit of you know getting a bit of a rhythm. You know, I think the defence are sort of le- are starting to learn a lot about each other, and that also allows Fabinho to play in midfield where he's best at. I was gonna say it it, it also allows because obviously by having Fabinho in that role, he's able to do the thing that the, the idea that Klopp wants, where you know the two defenders. You know, whoever they are, the two defenders sit back and the fullbacks bomb on, and then Fabinho can drop into that three if he needs to. I think by having Robertson and Trent pushing up the pitch and putting crosses in, it's going to make your life so much easier. It's kind of like Man City with Kevin De Bruyne. If you've got Kevin De Bruyne on the pitch, you're going to have 20 chances a game. You only need to put two of them away. You know, it's 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 going to make your life so much easier, and they can finally start expressing themselves the way they want to. I just think um, that now it's more important potentially about maintaining players for Liverpool than it is for keeping results. Because again, if they get a big injury now, you know, a big injury at the start of the season, yeah, they'll be fine for end of the season, maybe next season will be okay. A big, a big injury now, potentially, and it'll be close, but it could put them at not full fitness for the start of the season. And it's all it's all well and good kind of finishing badly or you know in the middle being not very good. But I think if you're if you're that bad at the start of a season, it could potentially make things a lot worse for for Klopp and Liverpool. 
Yeah, I think um, Salah and Mane were, ba- uh, were back amongst the goals has really sort of helped them out. Hopefully it can give them a lot of confidence into the rest of the season. And I think the return of Jota has sort of unleashed a bit of pressure on them. I think now they, they can see that Jota's back in the team. They're like, oh, you know what, Jota can help us out with the goals. Obviously, I think Firmino's had a, having a really bad season. He's not helping out them too. And I think uh, Jota back in the team can get some of the goals and obviously I think just help Mane and Salah as well. Yeah, and obviously we talk about it a lot, especially I think the the main one we talk about is obviously uh, Lingard at West Ham. But having that competition in a squad where you know you've got like Jota coming in, so that you can drop Fabino to uh, Fabino, you can drop Firmino to the bench. You know, having Jota back so you can drop Mane to the bench or Salah to the bench, or you know, just to show one of them, if you're not performing, you will be dropped. And it kind of takes the pressure off them, lets them almost sit on the bench and chill out for a bit, you know, not have to worry about performing week in, week out. They can have an off week. And then hopefully that kind of drives them to push for that place back in the squad. And ultimately, if they aren't, you know, really challenging for a place in the squad, then that that should be a a sign to Klopp of, you know, maybe the hearts aren't fully in it. I think you probably could have questioned Gini Wijnaldum and Sadio Mane, certainly midway through the season, whether their hearts were still in it. I think kind of from recent performances, you could say they probably still are. Um, obviously, Salah, I don't think you get rid of Salah even if he's if he's on awful form because he's that good. Um, but like you say with Jota, I think it's it's so important to have him back. And obviously, I think one player you, you can't really overlook as well is obviously Thiago and how he is probably now going to be able to push on with obviously Fabinho back in that defensive role. Thiago can just focus on what he does best, you know, picking up the ball, finding the pockets of space and, and letting the front three work their magic. So I think it's it's going to be quite an exciting season, certainly for a, a Liverpool fan. And linking it back to the Champions League, I can I can see at least passing on to the next round after they play Real Madrid next. That is true. Real Madrid were 4-1 winners against Atlanta. Um, I think a lot of people sort of. I think they we expected Real Madrid to beat Atlanta. Um, obviously, you really know Real Madrid have over the sort of years ever since Ronaldo less. You know the teams have sort of got worse and worse. But I think one player that has stuck through with that team and sort of and keeps improving them and helping them is Sergio Ramos. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's the typical captain, fantastic kind of guy. Any, I mean, he's Spain's captain. He's the capital city of Spain's captain. Uh, which are you know one of the biggest teams in Spain, so I think he's he's always going to be one of the best centre backs in the world. Obviously, there's there's rumour about him potentially wanting to move to Man United. Ultimately, if I'm honest, I don't see the point. He might as he's you know he's he's thirty, whatever he is now. He's quite old, same as the other guys. I don't see the I don't see the point in him moving on. Really, he might as well stay at Real Madrid and be a legend. I think it's just a little talk to try and get some more money or a new contract or some sort. Yeah, well, I mean to be fair. If you're Man United and Sergio Ramos starts sniffing about, you probably don't say no, dear. After your last eighty million pound centre back, don't don't disrespect Harry Maguire. <laughs> yeah, we. Well, I was going to say we'll talk about him later, but we won't, will we? Because he's uh, not in the Champions League. Uh, well, I mean, we could talk about the Europa League if we want to. <sighs> Bit boring. Anyway, um, kind of the one thing I will say about this game, uh, kind of slightly off topic, is I swear Real Madrid Atalanta is one of those games. It's the same with Manchester City and Munchen Glad, but I'm sure it happens every year. I'm I sure think, every think, single I think year. I know what you mean, yeah. It's like Gladbach always seem to play City. Real Madrid always seem to play Atlanta. Well, like Barcelona and PSG get each other quite a lot. Yeah, just re- like things like that. It just 
Yeah, I don't know why it just—it's not even really a, a particularly you know exciting point to make. It's just—is it—is it fix? Is your way for fix? I mean, you never know. I mean, Man City got away with it. You know, they didn't have that Champions League ban, so uh, that's true. You know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think on what, another note on this Real Madrid side, I think we have to talk about Karim Benzema. Yeah, he's, he's a very underrated guy, isn't he? I mean, well, I say he's underrated. He's, I imagine Real Madrid fans probably love him. But you know when you talk about kind of best strikers ever, you Sergio Guerreros, Alan Shearer's, Lewandowski's, talk about Haaland coming up and whatever, you, you never really hear Benzema's name mentioned. You've got to remember, he's, he's won a World Cup. He's obviously won four Champions League, five Champions League with Real Madrid. He's obviously a very, very good player. So I don't really understand how he goes under the radar so much. No, I think I think it's just I think when he was at Real Madrid, I think obviously Ronaldo was there, and I think Ronaldo always got the headlines, always got the goals. I just I think you know when he, when he was out there, um, when he was there, he was always doing the sort of self, unselfish work, always doing the work that no one sort of noticed on the pitch. Whereas you know to help Ronaldo get the goals, um, but I think um, he's still got a lot of goals himself. You know, he's a great player. Um, I think he's a player that I would have loved to have seen at Man United. Is he maybe in that kind of Firmino bracket of because he does so much off the ball and because he's obviously still scores loads more goals than Firmino, that's kind of not really what I'm saying, but because he does so much more off the ball for the main players, you know, it was Ronaldo, you could argue now it might be Hazard. I think a good example might be Rooney. Yeah, that, that kind of guy where he always, well, they both had to let Ronaldo come out of the way. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Someone like that who he, he maybe doesn't, maybe ultimately he doesn't he doesn't really need the limelight. You know, he's he's got the money, he's got the goals. I've seen a couple of the cars he's got. He's not he's not struggling. You know what I mean. So maybe maybe he's just one of them. He's just happy just to sit back. Well, I think obviously him and Rooney they still got lots of goals for their respective clubs. I think you know they create a lot. They've got a lot of assists. I think I think what they both realised was that with Ronaldo in their team, Ronaldo. I think they both say is well, I mean a lot uh, so much better than they were, and I think they were happy to sacrifice them. You know, sort of probably getting a lot more goals or assists, whatever, for meaning they won the Champions League or the Premier League, which mm. Ronaldo would help them get because Ronaldo was that good at the time. I think ultimately it also doesn't matter what you do on a pitch when Ronaldo's on the same pitch as you. You know, you've got people like we'll probably talk about Griezmann in a bit, but people like Griezmann who is. Arguably, again, one of a potentially, you know, a group of very, very good strikers, attacking players, whatever you want to call him. And, you know, it was the same with Coutinho, with Barcelona and Messi. I think it is just going to be that whatever you do on the pitch, what if it's not as good as what Ronaldo and Messi are doing and nine times out of ten, most players can't even dream of doing what Ronaldo and Messi can do. I think that's potentially what happened with Coutinho is he didn't just want to be the second in command like Neymar. He didn't just want to be the second to a good player. I think there's certain players who don't want to be that, but I think you've got the Roonies, the Benzema's, you look at now maybe like a Morata or someone like that, who is willing to do all the dirty stuff to let Ronaldo get those goals and, you know, Messi get those goals and ultimately get that kind of, you know, you'll get all the plaudits from all the team achievements, but you maybe won't get as much, you know, individual stuff, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think maybe uh, sticking on with Benzema, I think he's, um, he's he's not played for France for a couple of years, I believe. Um, he had a. I think there's been a lot of talk about him. Sort of. I think there's a lot of disagreement between him and the French team or the French manager or whatnot. So he's not played for a couple of years, and I think that might have hindered him. 
Um, I'm not sure he played in the season in the team when they won the World Cup. On that on that note, I think Benzema has been one of the best strikers over the sort of the last ten years, and I think I think now he's sort of getting the uh, sort of the credit that he deserves with with Ronaldo gone. Yeah, I think I think like you say, just to finish on it, I think Benzema, excellent player. I think the Liverpool Real Madrid game is going to be probably the best game of the next round. I hope they don't both come in and try and defend, defend, defend. I hope they come in and try and actually attack the game. You know, potentially if it is a defensive job, then Real Madrid will wipe Liverpool away. And potentially if it is more of a, an end-to-end kind of thing, then I'd probably say it maybe just about goes to Liverpool, maybe. But we'll do our predictions at the end. I think we'll we'll move on at that, show, we, Ben? Yeah, we'll move on to sort of the other side of the uh, sort of draw. Um, I think we we'll have to sort of. I think first we'll talk about Dortmund winning uh, against Seville five four. It sa- it doesn't sound particularly close, but um, it obviously it obviously was over the two legs. Uh, I mean Dortmund just looked like they won't stop scoring, and more specifically, Haaland doesn't look like he will ever stop scoring. Um, we talk about him, we talk about him loads. We can go on about him for hours, but the lad's just incredible. <laughs> to be honest, there's just there's just no stopping him. No, I think there's a a real big chance that he could sort of like Ronaldo send that Dortmund team to the Champions League final. Um, I think he's that good of a player. Obviously, they've got a lot of young talent within that team. With you know Sancho, Bellingham, they've got export experience in Royce, uh, Matt Hummels at the back. They're just I think they've got a very good team with a blend of young and a lot of experience as well. I mean, just on just on this tie alone. So obviously Dortmund scored five goals in the whole tie. Haaland scored four. So he would have drawn with Sevilla on his own. So, I mean, <laughs> it's outrageous. It's just ridiculous. And obviously Sancho, he didn't play. Uh, he wasn't in the squad for this for this game. But you know, obviously, he's, we all know how good a player of Sancho is. Obviously, you know, in a few weeks' time, we're talking about kind of England and, and stuff like that, ready for the Euros. Um, and I think he's he's definitely in a shout to be there. And uh, obviously, the player you've just mentioned who potentially. Could also be there is is Jude Bellingham. Obviously, there was a lot made of his his transfer. You know, Birmingham retiring his shirt number, which was a bit weird. Um, and he obviously went for a fair bit of money for a kid his age. But ultimately, he's looking he's looking like a a, a pretty pretty decent player. Could I know England have got a lot going forward and a lot in the midfield? But does he potentially now have to get on the plane? I think he has to. He's obviously in the latest England squad for the sort of friendlies and the World Cup qualifiers at the moment. I think he was obviously, he was man of the match against Seville. I think, you know, you look at a 17-year-old bossing a, a Champions League knockout game, I think, you know, you've got to take him. So I suppose the the other way I'm going to put it is, if Dortmund, say, get semi-finals, which is a very real possibility, um, who they're playing Man City next, That you know, Man City will probably bottle it like they do most Champions Leagues. If Jude Bellingham takes Borussia Dortmund to the final with Haaland and Sancho, does that almost make it not even a question then? And he, he almost has to play because of that, you know, being a winner effectively. You know, it's the same thing as why we're probably wanting to take Stones, Carl Walker, Foden, Sterling, because they are all winners. Would the same conversation have to be had with Jude Bellingham? I think it does. I think you can obviously also put Sancho into that mix as well. I think if you build a team around sort of players that have had success with their club, I think that's you know they they will sort of focus on winning. They all know how to win. They all know what it's like to win. 
I think you can't go wrong with that. Obviously, there's a lot of good players that aren't in teams that are like winning trophies. You know, you sort of look at Jack Grealish, he'll still be there. Um, but I think it helps if you have a, a, a lot of players within that squad that know what it's like to win a Champions League, know what it's like to win the Premier League. And then they won't be phased by going to a, a, a tournament like Euro 2020 and, try, and trying to win that. And, and also, I don't want to go too much onto the Euro stuff, but you know, for, for argument's sake, I think it's good to have the players who have played in other leagues. Obviously, the main ones we're thinking of right now um, are Sancho and, and Jude Bellingham. Potentially, as we go forward, and more players, you know, like Kieran Trippier playing in in Spain. I think it's good to have a good mix of all of those styles of football. You look at you know teams like Spain, France, Germany. They've got players, you know, a lot playing in the Premier League a lot playing in France, a lot playing in Spain, a lot playing in Germany. They're all kind of everywhere. So they all know a lot of different styles of football and you can put that in if you're managed well to make that kind of, almost that mould. So I think I think ultimately this Dortmund team potentially, not necessarily just for England, but for kind of young players wanting to get onto that international stage, I think it's going to be the perfect place. And obviously... With Sevilla, obviously, they are, as a team, they're no joke. You know what I mean? They they won the Europa League quite recently. I think they've won it, I think they've won it sort of three years out of five. Yeah, you know, they, 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 they do win things. They're obviously a very good team. You know, they've knocked out big opposition in the past. So I think it is, a, although, you know, a lot of people, you know, you talk about your Sevillas, your Portos, you know, your, your Lazios, Gladbachs, all these kind of things. But there's a reason they are constantly in the Champions League. Maybe with Gladbach, I don't quite know why that reason is, but um, you know, there's a reason why they're there, and to, you know, for for Dortmund and mainly Haaland to put them put them away in such fashion is quite an achievement. But I think kind of going from one team to the other, you've obviously got Manchester City uh, in their four nil win against Munchen Gladbach, the game that happens every single twelve months. Yeah, I don't think there's that much to talk about this game really. I think it was just it was just sort of a. I think it was just like a Premier League game for Manchester City. I think, you know, Gladbach didn't really have much chance. I think, you know, everyone expected Man City to win. I think 4-0, you know, 2-0 both games, that's a good amount. I think, you know, it's just that's just what I, expe- I expected. How do Gladbach keep getting into the Champions League? I don't even know. I don't even think they're that good in the Bundesliga, are they? I'm, I'm just checking the, the Bundesliga last season. They must always oh, get in the top. Game fourth. Well, that's oh. the thing. They're 10th now. I don't... I suppose that's the thing with Bayern and Dortmund being the two powerhouses of that league. You don't really hear about anyone else, so no. we're looking. We're looking at Gladbach, thinking, "Uh, oh, they're probably not that good." You could argue that they're in the same position as Liverpool, or not quite Liverpool, but like you know, Tottenham's, Liverpool's, Arsenal's, those kind of teams, where they're qualifying for the Champions League and the season's just tailed off a little bit because maybe. But what I'm saying is basically maybe we are underselling or overselling a little bit what Man City have done in terms of how easy the game was. Potentially, a 4-0 win is actually a really, really good result against what are a solid team potentially in the Bundesliga. It's probably not. They are probably crap, but it's, it's, it's something to look at. You know, for, In terms of for Pep Guardiola and the Champions League, he wants to obviously achieve his main goal of winning it. And I think you know, ha- having to put away these teams like Gladbach, you know, having to prove to yourself that when the pressure's on and you have to win knowing that you can go out there and put four goals past any team that's in the Champions League in over two legs, it's uh, it's obviously going to be a bit of a confidence builder. But I think we'll, we'll 
kind of move on because there's nothing really to say about Man City. It's boring. They'll be out of the Champions League by next week, so it don't matter. Or next time they play, so who really cares? I think we'll go on to the team that are probably the most confident team in the Champions League and probably definitely the favourites to win it. Bayern Munich, 6-2 against Lazio. I'll be looking at a back-to-back situation, BBK. I think I think you could say might have to. I think you know they've got Lewandowski, one of the best strikers and arguably the best striker in the Premier in the world. Sorry, not the Premier League, the world. I think Kimmich, one of the best CDMs in the world. I think all round their team. Obviously, they won the Champions League last year. They're on their favourites to do it this year. I can't see any reason why they can't do it again. Because mm, I was when I was kind of writing all our stuff up for the um, for the podcast, I was looking at Bayern's team. Uh, in that game against Lazio. Uh, I just want to read it out because it is it is quite scary to actually say. So you obviously got... It wasn't Neuer in goal, and he wasn't even in the squad, so I don't know what's happened there. you got Pavard at right-back, who's unbelievable. Boateng, David Alaba at centre-backs, unbelievably solid, two amazing centre-backs. Lucas Hernandez, I've not seen much of him, but from from what I've you know seen, he's he's obviously a very good player. You've don't, got forget they've got, don't forget they've got Alfonso Davis. Of course, as well, he's he's coming back from injury. I think he was on the bench. I've been watching his TikToks, so I've been you know keeping up with that. You obviously got Joshua Kimmich, who had an unbelievable performance in games like these, and I think he's he's one of those players that's a big leader. Um, and then that front four: Leroy, Sa- Leroy Sane, Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller, Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> but how 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 do you deal with that as as a t- what what can you do apart from injure them? I, I feel like the only way you could beat them is just score more than they do. So in that case, who's who's ever going to beat them? Because how Harland, gonna... Harland on his own, ah. yeah, maybe. <laughs> we could. I mean, could we? Is it? Does it work that we could get a Dortmund Bayern final or semi final? That'll be that'll be semi final. Semi final. So I mean, ideally, that's the game. I, I think ideally, going forward, it it would be that semi final and then Liverpool. Would play who? I'd say Bayern. Yeah, probably. In the final. Oh, yeah, so yeah, there you go. Potentially the two best teams in the world right now could come up against each other in the final. But there's been a lot of talk uh, recently by the German German press that I've seen of linking the Bayern Munich manager to the Germany job, which seems to be the natural progression uh, of any managers to go from Bayern manager to the international manager set up and then retire and no one ever knows where you've gone. Why the papers are saying that, I don't know. And I've seen, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, the German press have come out obviously saying that and the Bayern CEO has basically just said, why on earth would we do that? Obviously Flick's, Flick's been their main man. I think he's done an unbelievable job. I think I think they've, they've gone a couple of seasons without the Champions League. I think I don't I don't think Pep Guardiola even won the Champions League with Bayern Munich. Obviously, yeah, there was that famous famous Drogba last minute goal, wasn't there? Yeah, so I think he's got them playing very well at the minute. I think he's getting the best out of Lewandowski. He's getting the best out of quite a few players in their team, and I just don't see any reason why he would go to Germany. Mm. I think the biggest ones for me are Gnabry and, and Sane because obviously it's two players who were kind of rejected from the Premier League in the same way as kind of Sancho was. And just the way they're playing and how ruthless they are going forward now, it's just crazy. Like it all started with that um, that seven two victory at Tottenham with Gnabry, obviously scoring four goals in one game and kind of going, "Oh, I'm back," kind of thing. <laughs> I think 
you know, who was it? He was at West Brom and some. Who was the manager? And they said he wasn't Martin, good enough. Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill said he wasn't good enough for West Brom. Yeah. Mate, he's got Champions League now. What are you saying? But obviously, obviously, I don't. I think it's fair to make it all about Bayern Munich. But ultimately, what can we really say about Lazio in this game other than we are in? You know, we're we're sorry that you had to endure this for 180 minutes over two legs. Yeah, I think I think whoever got Bayern Munich, I think they could probably expect a loss. I think Bayern are just that good of a team. I think Lazio were probably maybe one of the worst teams in that um, sort of last 16. I think Bayern, you could say, maybe a bit lucky with who they got. Obviously, Bayern have got a much tougher draw in their next game. Yeah, obviously they've got obviously the replay of the final. And obviously PSG have just put five over two legs. They've put five past Barcelona, so I mean... Be an interesting game. Obviously, you talk about exciting front threes. I don't think it gets more exciting than PSG's. You know, you've got Neymar, Mbappe, and an other. It doesn't really matter who it is. <laughs> Just anyone, doesn't it? Yeah, it's literally me. You know, fair, I, I'd say that could be a good front three. Dave from the Chippy. Anyone. Just just a bloke would do. Uh, Jesse Lingard, probably. Uh, but no. Oh, that's outrageous, <laughs> that would be. But Could you imagine would... all of them doing the Jay Ling celebration? <laughs> who, who would. Right, we're going into this weird thing. Who'd play up top? Like, because you know you've got the front three. What, we'd have J-Lings as a centre forward? <laughs> <laughs> you've got Mbappe on the wing with the pace and Neymar can just roam where he wants. Yeah, Mbappe on the wing with the pace because the other two are really slow. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously we'll, we'll move on to PSG now after we've uh, wasted a couple of minutes of your life. Um, and, I mean, we talked about kind of the first leg, but I suppose we've got to talk a bit about, about this leg. I think it was a one-all draw, is that right? Uh, yeah, I think PSG sort of won it kind of in the first leg. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there wasn't really much for them to do. But one thing I did notice, and I don't know how often Barcelona have done this in the past and whether it's a... I don't know why they do it. They've gone to kind of a what looks like a five at the back with obviously Pedri and Busquets as kind of two CDMs or two central midfielders. And then you've obviously got Dest and Alba as the, the big fullbacks. And then... Lenglet, De Jong and, and Mingueza seem to be playing at the back. I don't know if I've got that right, but from what I can see, that's what it looks like. It's just It seems like they're setting up like a team. They're almost not ready to lose, but they're trying to conserve a victory. Although yeah. that doesn't look right now, I've said that, because Frankie De Jong is not a centre-back. <laughs> He's not a centre-back. <laughs> I don't know why it says that, but it still, to be honest, it still doesn't look, even if you... Because I think it's just the way my my kind of app shows it. I'm I'm assuming it's kind of a four three three kind of vibe. Even looking at it like that, it's not particularly. You know, you think of Barcelona teams, you think of Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Thierry Henry, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Samuel Eto'o, like big names. Well, they've got one big name in there. But other than that, they're they're pretty much nothing. Is this kind of a a slow decline for Barcelona? Obviously, they've had all the problems with the arrests at the presidential elections, is everything just going, just plummeting downhill for Barcelona now? Yeah, I think it's a real tough time for Barcelona fan. I think they're sort of in transition. I think they sort of had that era where they were dominant, they were sort of the best team. Um, Obviously with Messi getting on as well, I think they're trying to build sort of a new generation, build for the future. I think think you spoke about Pedri, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they've got Anzu Fati. I think they're just, you know, De Jong, very good young players. I think they're just trying to sort of deal with all this and transition to get a lot of young players in and hopefully do what they can 
sort of over the next ten years with like what with the team they've got and with what they've previously done before. Mm. And I think ultimately it all goes back. Um, I'm sure I remember back in back a while ago is obviously Barcelona had the uh, the kind of thing where they bought in Martin Braithwaite. Um, that's not that's not the sign of a club that's going for the Champions League or going to win leagues, bringing in someone who played for Middlesbrough. I just I don't see. Obviously, you said like Messi's going on. I think this is going to start to be the downfall of Barcelona. Is two or three years ago they could have sold Lionel Messi and bought two new squads and a new stadium for the five hundred million that PSG probably would have paid for him or whoever it was. I just think now they've they've held on to him for so long that when they sell him, he's not going to be a valuable asset to anyone. So he's probably just going to end up going to manage somewhere in Argentina and they'll probably be back to manage the team. By that point Barcelona will probably either, you know, have gone down to kind of fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, or hopefully they'll have gone back up and Messi can start to lead them to victory, kind of like what happened with um with Guardiola. But I just think they have ultimately kind of left their they've left it a bit too late with Lionel Messi. And I think if they can't get the right manager in to get the best out of him at this age and get the best out of the rest of the players, it's ultimately going to end up that you know, Barcelona stopped winning things. Uh, but talking talking kind of the other way about PSG, I think bringing in Pochettino, are they potentially going the exact other way as Barcelona, where they're going to start to become these potential European giants along with Man City, do you think? Or Liverpool? I think Pochettino, I think I've said it numerous times, that I don't think he deserved to, got, um, to have got sacked for what he did at Tottenham. I think you look at that Tottenham side that he got to a Champions League final and you look at Mourinho there now he's obviously he's just been knocked out of the Europa League yeah and, and Mourinho's just been knocked out of the Europa League with Bale, Son and Kane let's not get that let's, let's just make sure we all Bale, Son, Kane uh, I mean I just I don't know like, what's going on with that Tottenham side at, at the moment but anyway I think Potocino, he just the disrespect that he got for what he did I think you know I think now you know what? I think I'm pleased for him for being at this PSG side, and I think he's got a real good side, um, a real good chance of winning the Champions League that he deserves. You know, obviously it's a it's a big help when you've got Mbappe, Neymar on your team, but um, I think you know they're obviously playing against Bayern Munich in the next round. I think that's going to be a real good game. You know, I think Potocino obviously wasn't there for the final last year. I think he's there now. Could we see something? Tactically different from PSG. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to that game. Yeah, I think I think what's going to be different about uh, Pochettino. Obviously, he's not won anything, um, and potentially what you've got is a guy who's obviously going to be looking at that Spurs job. He's going to see that Spurs have gone out, and I think there is going to be a bit of a fire in the belly to kind of give it, you know, give it middle finger at, at Spurs and kind of say, you know, you got rid of me for what? I've gone to I've gone to PSG. Boom, Champions League, my first season. Like, give it some. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that'd be the best thing for him. I think if he wins the Champions League this this season, I think PSG are gonna gonna become a serious European powerhouse. And obviously, it's gonna be a bit. It's, it's not gonna be that exciting because ultimately, they've bought the Champions League in the same way Man City tried to. It's just they've done it about a million times more. You know, you talk about Man City buying sixty million players. I think PSG in two years bought Neymar and Mbappe, which was like hundred and fifty and two hundred million. And it's like Man City got investigated for for uh, financial fair play, but PSG are fine. Yeah, PSG are 
just don't worry about it. It's three hundred fifty million on a player. They're obviously making three hundred fifty one million in profits. Don't just don't <laughs> don't don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great for Pochettino to win a Champions League, um, and I could potentially even see him. You know, if he does start to win Champions League, then you are going to have like Man City's sniffing around you, and potentially if you want to go and win the Premier League, I could potentially see that happening. I could potentially see, I could, to be honest, I could even see him just staying at PSG for 10 years and them just being, you know, the new Real Madrid and potentially with the funds they've got, the, the financial backing they've got, potentially being even better. Um, you'd be surprised that there's not been sort of a manager at PSG that can just go there and just dominate the Champions League with the team they've got. It's, it's kind of baffling, actually. So I think you look at who, who they've had, obviously they had uh, Emery, a while ago, didn't they? They had Tuchel, and I think what you've yeah. got is two players, two managers who need to stand up to a board and say, "This is what I need. Get me this." Whereas you look at what Pochettino did with Spurs; he didn't have massive amount of money. He didn't have massive amount of players. He just got on with what he had and coached what he had. That's why Harry Kane became so good. That's why like Lamella and Lucas Moura. Lucas Moura before Tottenham wasn't that good. He wasn't particularly. A good player, and yet he got into a Champions League final. Whether or not he's good now is kind of, yeah, whatever. You know, Deli Ali obviously came up through the the youth ranks. You got Harry Winks, his players like that. So I think Pochettino won't be a the type of manager to go to the board and be like, right, we need this player, this player, this player. Otherwise, the team's not good enough, and I'm not going to stand for it. I think he's just going to get on with it, and ultimately, I think PSG will back him because he won't go up to the board and get on the nerves. I think he's just like, look, I could do with this and that, maybe, and I could do with a, a proper striker so that Neymar and Mbappe can be a bit freer. But you know, if not, we've got Di Maria, so who cares? I think it's just going to be one of them where he's just going to get on with his job. I think if PSG end up with Haaland in some weird way, which wouldn't actually surprise me that much, I think that PSG team will just win everything. They'll win the French League and they'll be on like 200 points. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll probably win leagues that they're not even in just by default. It's just going to be crazy. I think they're, they're going to be the big leading proponents for this uh, this European Super League as well, which if that did happen and there were the best six teams or the biggest four teams or whatever is from every country, I think they win that as well. I think this yeah. PSG team are going to look really worrying and obviously... Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. And just before we move on to sort of predict the next round, I just wanted to ask you a question about I've I've read a lot of sort of talk about it. Um, sort of the away goals rule within the second legs. Yeah, I think I know. So obviously, some of them weren't actually away goals, were they? Because they were played in a neutral venue. No, no it's more it's more about the fact that um, in the second leg, you know, when you're sort of drawing. Over, you've drawn over 90 minutes and you're going to extra time and it still counts as an away goal. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you, do you agree with that? So then in, in terms, let's say you, the Porto game, Porto technically had 120 minutes to score. So it was sort of, I think, uh, so Porto, the first leg was 2-1 to Porto, uh, Porto and Juventus got an away goal. The second leg, at extra t- uh, uh, at nine, after 90 minutes, it was it was uh, free all, but Juvent- uh, Porto had one away goal and Juventus obviously had scored the two. But then in the extra time, it went. They both scored a goal, so Porto obviously then had two away goals. Right. Okay, I'm with you now. And that's why they went through, even though it was four four on aggregate. 
And that's the point. They had they had an extra half an hour to get an away goal, whereas Juventus only had the ninety minutes to get as many away goals as they could. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to I'm trying to rationalise it, but ultimately, I don't think it really makes sense. Um, potentially. Think, so, what do you what do you think? You should just go straight to penalties. Well, no, I think just when you get to the extra time, you just get rid of the away goal in that second load. So both teams have had ninety minutes away goals, and then just it's then just down to whoever scores the most goals in that extra time. Is it time to bring back the golden goal rule from back in the day? That could maybe I think be that'd a good be rule, so but, much fun. But then I you can also it. you can also look at it as the second leg. If there was fans, you have an extra half an hour with your own fans. Mm. But then you could argue that if you, <laughs> it's a tricky it's, one. It's a difficult one, yeah. Because I mean. Ultimately, I don't think. I think what should happen a lot, like with with most other tournaments, it should just be in one neutral place. It should be one game, and it should be played over like a an amount of weeks where you can just do it in the middle of the season, so everyone has a break for four weeks. You play this tournament in four weeks, and then that's it. You're done because then it stops players resting during the week for games that they don't need to rest for and stuff like that. I just think it'd be better, and it just gets it done quicker because the Champions League just drags out. You know, you have to play two legs. Against every team, why? What's the point? Because the only the only thing you're going to gain is a home advantage. So you could, effectively, what you could do is go and just defend for your life and wait out one nil, and then go to your ground and defend for your life and wait out a nil nil. It's boring. You might as well just get every team to just go all or nothing in one ninety minutes, and it it just be more kind of exciting to watch. Yeah, like most like yeah, uh, your away games, you may as well just try and nick a goal, and then your home game just part of us. Yeah, like it, it, it literally... And you're going away goals, and, you, and then it's just like, what's the point? Because the thing is as well, you know, if you, you could concede two away to a team, and then you score one, and all of a sudden you've played really well, because you'll probably go through on away goals. So, what's the point in that? Because the thing is as well, is if you think Porto won the first tie, I'd argue it takes more from Juventus to then go and win the next tie 3-2 to kind of... In turn, do you know what I mean? Like it takes more. Yeah. It takes more to come back and win a tie three two. But I do think maybe just penalties or a golden goal just stop this. I think definitely getting rid of the, um, the away goal. Yeah. But then, but then you could argue that. I think I think maybe just both teams have ninety minutes to get an away goal, and if it's a draw after that, it just goes penalties. Yeah, it's, it's probably the best. I think that's the only way you can sort of do it because I think it's not fair. The away team in the second leg having an extra half an hour just to get an away goal because then Juventus then had to score two, didn't they? Yeah. I think yeah, I think Porto went they got their goal first and then Juventus had to score two because they needed more, which just obviously isn't fair. But then you could look mm. at it, Juventus if you know if the fans were in the stadium, they'd have the fans to support them, rally them. But obviously this season they don't. Um, you can you can I think you can look at it two ways, can't you? You know, there's pros and cons for sort of all of it. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot smarter people than us looking at it. So yeah, I think we'll on that, that note, we'll just go on to the predictions. Yeah, I said this is going to be a shorter podcast. I've just checked we're an hour and five minutes. I don't know why I was waffling. Um, yeah, I think we did waffle for quite a bit. <laughs> I think we'll delete most of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so predictions for the next round. So we'll just do what we normally do. We'll kind of uh, we'll rattle them off quite quickly. Should we should we do it sort of do one side to the final and then the other side to the final? I like that. I like that. Okay. So, so you've got on the first we... side we've got uh we'll do the Dortmund and Man City. Yep. So 
Mm. I, I don't think you can predict. I saw it on Twitter earlier. It's basically the man who can't stop scoring against a, basically a solid brick wall in the uh, in Ruben Diaz. So potentially it could. I don't, I I don't know. <laughs> I think for just how good Haaland is, I've got. A, I think you got to Man back City. Him, Man City had the better squad and team. But I just think with how good Haaland is, he could easily just have like two shots that game, and he's scored both, and they've probably got like two away goals, and they're through. I think the major outlier in this is though that Man City will bottle the Champions League. I think if they bottle it against Dortmund, they'll end up conceding five or something. So I'm going to go Dortmund go through in that one. I think. I think. Uh, I don't know because it seems like Dortmund they conceded four against Seville. So are they not as good defensively? Maybe will they just have to outscore City? But I think if it comes to that, I think they will because I think Haaland will see, you know, say I don't know, Aguero scores three. Haaland will just score six. To be fair, like, someone will probably someone Fernandinho will probably try and square up to Haaland and Haaland will be like, You are underscore four goals. He's massive, isn't he, as well, Haaland. <laughs> Have you noticed? He's huge. Yeah. Um I think I'll back here with a Dortmund win. Dortmund win. So then obviously Bayern PSG. Yeah. That's, obviously, that's who they could face in the semi final. Yeah. The obviously the final last year ended a, a Bayern win. One nil? Yeah, it was one Just uh, a Kinsey Coman header. It's another one, isn't it? It's it's the most exciting side of the draw, obviously. Yeah, I think this game will be a lot more expressive. I think both teams will... I think with Potocino in charge as well, I'm hoping that PSG will be more attacking and go for it. But then likewise, you, they'll probably realise, you know what, hold on a minute, we're playing against Bayern Munich, we can't just go all out. Did Thiago Silva play in that final? I want to say he did. I feel like that... I'm going to I'm gonna check, because I feel like if he didn't... Let me have a look. He did. So for that reason, Bayern are going to win. Because if Bayern couldn't win with Thiago Silva at the back to keep the goals out, I can't see how they win without him, to be honest. Yeah, I think likewise, again, I think we talk about sort of, you know, Dortmund having Haaland, I think PSG having Neymar and Mbappe. That they, them two could win PSG the game. And, but likewise, Bayern had the better squad. They obviously have Lewandowski, all their players. Um, I, think, I think Bayern Munich will just edge it. I think yeah. I think it could be one of them where it'll it'll probably be one nil to Bayern, but I think everyone will predict it as like one team will blow the other away completely. But I think I think it'll be a tight one. I think Bayern will, like you say, just edge it. So I think uh, so. We've both gone the same. So that will obviously then bring us a Bayern Dortmund semi final. I mean, it's pretty simple that one. It's um, I think it's Bayern Bayern win that one. It's obviously you know new against old. Obviously. Lewandowski against uh, Haaland could yeah, be a good Bayern, battle. I think but... Bayern have been him quite a few times this season already. Yeah, th- to me it's a given. I think Bayern being Dortmund, they, it could be a major upset. You know, it wouldn't take a lot to get that team up for it. Obviously, if Sancho's back, that's an extra little sort of boost. Yeah, but ultimately, I think it's going to be a very tough fixture for them if they make it that far. So I think I think Bayern get to the final for me. Yeah, I think I'll join you. So I think we both agree that Bayern on that side. Um, and then we'll look at the other side. We've got the uh, sort of Real Madrid versus Liverpool. It's another one, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. a sticky one. I think we've got we've got a really good Champions League game. I'm gonna have to try and watch them all. Right, so, would you, in terms of Liverpool Real Madrid, are these the two most successful Champions League teams ever? Um, yes, they they are. I don't know. AC Milan might be up there as well, but I think yeah, there. So Real Madrid, I'd say a bit like Barcelona. Don't really have that exciting of a squad, but at the end of the day, they've got Modric, Cruz. They've got, the, they've, they've got the got, experience. They've got yeah, they've got those stars who have done it four or five times. So 
you can't count that count that out. And obviously the other end, you've got Liverpool who've got a lot of injuries, but you know they've got players who at the end of the day they have won it. You look at that entire team apart from the centre backs and Thiago. Pretty much all of them were involved in some way in that Champions League final against Spurs. I don't think you can really count that Champions League final against Spurs because Spurs were crap. Yeah, and then the that. only other time Liverpool have been to the final, they got battered by Gareth Bale and, and Real Madrid. So it's a sticky one, isn't it? Really. Um, I think, I think I'll just edge. I don't know. It's difficult because Real Madrid. I feel like they could just turn up. They know what it's like to be in knockouts. They could just turn up. But likewise, I think Liverpool know what it's like to turn up in a knockout game. I think. I think just. I think you have to edge Liverpool. I think they've just got a bit of a better squad. I also think obviously Real Madrid are like top four of, of the league at the minute they're not really struggling that badly obviously it's, it's not good for them not to be winning it but they're not doing as badly as Liverpool are I ultimately think Liverpool are going to go into that game and Klopp especially is going to be able to inspire more of a, a, a rugged scrappy performance and I think if you want to go toe to toe at Real Madrid you don't play football with them you just kick them off the pitch effectively and I think that's that's the way it's going to go. You know, Fabinho's going to put in some dirty challenges Trent's going to do his typical thing of losing his head Salah will probably put some in I could see Mane doing it. I could see all of them really. Thiago's going to have the game of his life and I think Liverpool are going to nick it. I think I'll agree. I think Liverpool will just edge it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we'll go that. Yeah. So Liverpool in the semi-final. Okay, I think I know my final already then. Yeah, I think I might have to join you. <laughs> and then there's obviously Chelsea and then Porto. I think the most potentially the most irrelevant fixture of the whole thing because they're not, neither of them are going through, are they? No, I think we'll, <laughs> I think we'll, we can, we'll agree Chelsea. If I can read your mind right, I want. I, I think the sensible choice is Chelsea, but then the sensible choice would have been Juventus. Yeah, I mean, does it? I mean, does it matter? Will they beat Liverpool, Real Madrid? Those two teams? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Ultimately, it does not matter. But in terms of for completeness, I just I think it'll be an extra time. But I think. I think Chelsea are going to nick it. I'll, I'll yeah. just go back completely on myself. So actually, we have <laughs> we have two finals of two teams in the same league. Obviously, by, uh, semi-finals. Sorry, you have Bayern and, P- and Dortmund and Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, and, and then who who you see winning that second semi-final? I think Chelsea. No, um, well, I mean potentially, I'd give Chelsea as good a chance as any. Um, well, I mean we've not seen Chelsea and Liverpool play each other in the league, have we? Did they play together? Yeah, they must have done by now, surely. I mean, I mean, under two Chelsea, sorry. Uh, maybe not actually. So, yeah. Oh uh, no, they have. They won. I think. Oh, they did. Win. Yeah, sure Chelsea did. did win. Yeah, I'm sure they beat them one nil. I think, um, likewise, again, it might just be whether that Liverpool, you know, they weren't playing well in the league. Do they really care? Maybe all that lot. If they're in the Champions League semi final, you know, they're going to be turned up, aren't they? Yeah, and obviously it was one of those games where they had Fabinho at centre back. Firmino wasn't really playing very well. Obviously, did, then did they have the second legs in the semi final? They don't, do they? They do, yeah. Do they? Yeah. Oh, oh and okay. semi-final. Uh, I thought semi-final you don't do. No, semi semi-finals one leg. Sorry. Yeah. I'll say yeah. Uh, yeah, but away goals don't count, do they? Uh, no, no. It's, it, yeah, I... no. It's just semi-final. Semi-final. It's just whoever wins over yeah. however long it takes. Whether whether it goes to penalties or not, and I think ultimately I don't think it's going to go past that. I think Liverpool are going to turn up. They're going to blow Chelsea away, and they're going to get to the final against Bayern Munich, and then get. Battered. The Champions League. You think Liverpool all the way? Yep. I'm going for it. Oh, that is the big call. I think Liverpool I'll all the way. go for the opposite. I think I'll see a Bayern uh, win and they will Bayern win retention. the Champions League. 
Yeah, Bayern, Bayern Munich retain the Champions League. Well, that'll be it. I think we'll we'll probably be doing a pod. Well, we'll definitely be doing a podcast at, at least within a week of the of the final. So we'll. So I look forward for us both being wrong. Yeah, well, no, congratulations like a, to Chelsea for winning the Champions League. It'll be like a Porto. A Porto. <laughs> it'll be a Porto Gladback after Man City get done for financial fair play. <laughs> um, what a final! God, it's so boring. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're gonna have to end that short hour and fifteen minute podcast off there, Ben. To be fair, oh, I think yeah. we've we've, uh, we've we've talked well. We've talked about a lot, and um, I think uh, we ought to. Do what we normally don't do and actually talk about what's coming up because I think we've both been quite excited for next week's podcast. We are. I'm quite. I think it's something different, isn't it? We've obviously been doing a lot about the Premier League this week. Obviously, being the Champions League, and I think uh, next week we are doing sort of the England team for the Euros sort of podcast with it being the international break. Um, you know, sort of Southgate's picked a squad at the moment that a lot of players potentially will go to the Euros. Some may not. Some will. Um, it just it just sort of be all things England, all things Euros. Yeah, I think we'll we'll do England and the Euros, and then potentially because obviously it's not it's not that long a conversation to have. Like I don't think it'll take an hour to talk about or forty five minutes to talk about the England team. I think we'll we might delve into some other sports. There's been you know news coming out recently from all different sports, whether it be uh, just off the top of my head, like Tiger Woods is crashing the golf or. Habib officially retiring from the UFC so there's a lot of stuff that has happened so potentially we might delve into a bit of that just to kind of vary it up a little bit but uh, other than that if there's anything else you've got to add Ben no it hasn't thank god because it is late and I'm tired so me, me too after that I will say thank you very very much for listening to this shorter version of the <laughs> podcast <laughs> uh, we may have waffled on about the Champions League I'm going to be honest right now, I haven't watched any of the Champions League, so if what I've just said there was correct, it was a complete fluke. And I've been Ben. And I've been Ben. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye.